Welcome to Voices from the Collective, a podcast coming to you from the mouth of the East Coast in upstate New York. I'm your host, Ellie Pell. This episode is with Ben Supperon, who just finished his first traverse of the Pacific Crest Trail. Ben had the initial goal of completing the trail in under 100 days, so he would be back in time to resume his studies at the University of Vermont. Well, he smashed that goal, coming in at a much speedier pace, luckily avoiding fires, trail closures, and other maladies that can occur on thru-hikers throughout the trails in the West. Thinking about those kinds of things actually always make me, makes me feel extremely grateful to live out here in the East, like I do. And like most of you do, too, right? Maybe we don't have mountains, but, you know, it's pretty beautiful here. Am I, am I wrong? This episode covers a lot of ground, so I'm going to keep this intro short. But first, I want to give a big shout out to Gnarly Nutrition, who continues to show me how important it is to have high quality snacks with all the macronutrients while I'm traveling. I just had a 25 hour day of travel and have to say that most of my calories, both on the ground and at 30,000 feet in the air, were some sort of gnarly protein and greens combination. Adding it to oats, Yogurt, or just plain water worked for me over and over again, getting me back home to Ithaca with zero chance of bonking. I want you to try it too, so use my referral link in the show notes and code TRAILSCOLLECTIVE for 10% off. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Ben Superon. Ben Supran, welcome to the Voices of the Collective podcast. Your first appearance on my show, but you were on uh, Trust Collective Live last weekend. Uh, so folks uh, heard or saw that. You got a little bit of a primer, but uh, Ben is fresh off the uh, a PCT through hike, which um, was really fun to follow the whole summer. So um, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. Um, I've been not walking for about the last two weeks and it's definitely a change and I'm definitely still like, uh, in the recovery phase, uh, but it's good. So was this your first through hike of that distance? Um, so last summer I hiked the Northern half of the Appalachian trail. So that was a thousand miles. And this was just, just shy of 2,700. So a lot longer, but uh, I had done a long hike before, but not of this scale and in this style. Okay. All right. So, um, ha- so I guess what, why did you want to do, the, like, how did the AT go that led you to want to do the PCT? Uh, yeah. So that was, um, I had friends that were through hiking and um, I knew I wanted to join them for some of the time. But I wasn't really sure how long. And I met them at the halfway point in Pine Grove Furnace, Pennsylvania. And I wasn't, I was just going to come for like a weekend or a week. Uh, but I ended up just staying for the second half and walked to Katahdin. And that was, uh, it was a really cool experience. And 
but I was hiking, I was hiking with like 10 other friends and it was, we weren't moving down the trail too quickly. And that definitely had its benefits and we were taking lots of years in town. Um, but I knew this summer I want to do something kind of in a different style and seeing how fast I can walk. Yeah. So that it is, it is. So the, the way you do the AT kind of sounds like how I would hike, like yeah. just, you know, moseying <laughs> on down. Um, because I mean, the fact that you were able to just like meet your friends and then all of a sudden decide to just like keep going with them. I mean, from what I've read about through hikes, like it takes a lot of planning. You have to have all the gear yeah. and you have to know like what you're, what you're doing. So how were you able to just sort of jump right in? Uh, I had lots, I had pretty much all the gear and, um, just from previous backpacking and I had been running a lot. I was in good shape at that time. And, um, I don't know. I'm kind of a believer that things are rarely as hard (laughs) as people make them out to be. And... Uh, I definitely was sore for a week, but we were doing like not really walking much over 20 miles a day and uh, it was flat (laughs) Uh, and my legs, I got my legs kind of quickly and I was just following the lead on, um, you know, all their planning and how much food I needed to get kind of before I figured things out for myself. And was this the start of uh, the Hiker Hype House? (laughs) this it was so we had we made a it's kind of a goofy but we had made a tiktok account um just as a joke and then a lot of people were following it and it's not really not really in use anymore (laughs) yeah because it was funny like when so I guess a little bit of history of our like very like brief um, relationship, but you know, you, you contacted me and Ian and I thought it was great. Like we, I, I definitely looked it up and I looked at the videos and stuff um, and I thought it was cool. So, uh, you know, I, you know, that could be like a, an avenue for you in the future, but uh, I guess it's probably easier to make those videos when you're like sort of moseying on down the trail than doing what you were doing on the PCT. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, so before we talk about the PCT, I actually kind of want to dive into your history a little bit. Um, so we know you through the store. I think you worked with us briefly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and you mentioned that you've been a you've been a runner. So why don't we go back? Where when did you start running? Uh so right now I'm turning 20 years old next week. So I'm pretty young. Uh, but I ran all throughout my childhood. I grew up in Ithaca with parents that were runners. And I started running doing like the Youth Bureau cross country series. Um, And then I ran for the high school for four years for track and cross country. And um, I really enjoyed that and kind of the focused, focused training. And then I graduated high school in 2020 and you know, I wasn't racing the last spring with COVID and that kind of shifted me to doing uh, more longer efforts in the woods. Um, and yeah, it's kind of over the last two years, it's been shifting uh, more long and less kind of structured running. 
but just going out and um, spending time running through the woods. Mm-hmm. So uh, back in high school and in the youth bureau, what what did you tend to favor? Like what what events did you like? And um, d- during that training, do you guys yeah. run on trails occasionally? Yeah. So when um, in high school, I was running the uh, 5K in the fall and then mainly the two mile in the spring was my preferred event. And um, yeah, there were definitely uh, throughout all that. I got to know all of the trails around Ithaca really well. Definitely all the ones um, downtown, you know, uh, the Giles um, trails off of Giles and then Six Mile Creek. And um, then on weekends, I would kind of run uh, and explore all the trails around that we weren't getting to from downtown. Mm hmm. So can you can you kind of give the audience like a little bit of a description of the IHS track and field program? Um, are you how competitive are you guys? Uh, how serious did you take it? Uh, where were you kind of in the pecking order? Yeah, so uh, the I'll talk about cross country. Okay. <laughs> um, cross country team uh, is one of the top. It's a fairly competitive team in the state. Um, and I. I was one of the, like over my years there, I ran varsity every year and kind of was ooching my way up forward and um, running right around 16 minutes uh, in a 5K. Not, nothing too crazy, but just just running. And um, yeah, most of that time I was running about 60 miles a week. And uh, yeah, there definitely still was a big focus on like having fun and it was definitely a good time and that kind of uh yeah that um that kind of training got me uh like had me realize the capacity I could take like how far I could take my running and how much my body could do and what did that signify to you because it doesn't sound like you continue track and cross country in college no so it was kind of um I really like racing but I don't know the old, like the time I was having the most fun with running was when I was just going out into the woods and spent like not focusing on really how far I was covering, but just going out and moving all day. And um, uh, I also like the the longer it was, the more I was enjoying it. And um, yeah, I just kind of felt like it was right for me to kind of shift away from uh, racing right now and competing in college and shift to some longer stuff. Yeah. You seem to also be um, right in that COVID like window, which probably also influenced your decision. Um, Do you find that happened with a lot of the, your generation of kids? They were just like, they didn't get that spring season. And then everybody was like, stay away from each other. And so, you know, you kind of were like, well, uh, I guess uh, not going to do this anymore. Yeah, no. I, so I'm, I'm in the running club at the university of Vermont. And um, a lot of the kids in there, kids that were very competitive in high school. Uh, and then, yeah, there wasn't any races for a year. And, um, yeah, definitely, I don't know, I think it did have a good amount of impact and, uh, 
I don't know. For me, I think it was positive because it was like uh, at the start of COVID, I was running a lot more and I was doing, uh, I did longer, like longer and faster runs than I'd really ever done because I was like not worried about uh, injuring myself for the races and like, oh, you don't need to run 20 miles if you're just racing a two mile race because that's kind of what I had been told. And then I was like, wait, I can, I can just go out and run however far I want and do kind of whatever makes me happy with this. Um, so do you th- like how much, uh, I guess I'll rephrase. So, um, when I was growing up, there wasn't like, I didn't do track and field, but, um, there wasn't as much like data. There wasn't a like let's run die stat like you weren't really there wasn't easy access to compare yourself to people across the country where I feel like you are like one of the earlier generations where you guys have that and there's a lot of social media influence and so what was it like growing up with all this like information coming at you you know you um you know you know how you know uh, somebody in southern California is running and um did that influence like how seriously you took training or did it influence your development in any way? Do you think? Uh, yeah, yes. And no, where I don't, I kind of came to realize like at the start, I was really interested in all that. And like, there was one year that, um, like the high school team and like a preseason ranking was ranked, uh, it was like the top in New York and like one of the uh, top 15 in the country. And I remember we all saw that and it like totally got to, it was like, like freshman year, I think. And it totally got to all of our heads. And, um, you know, they had all the rankings where the guy from Tolly Runners was creating speed rankings, which are like a generalized score, like that takes your time and takes the difficulty of the course into consideration. So you're really able to like compare your times all across the country. And um, it was definitely a big rabbit hole. You could dive down and like, you know, find out a bunch of information about what other people were doing and, uh, you know, how every other team was looking. And uh, at the start, it was definitely going down in a bit. And I was like, wait, this doesn't really matter. It's more about, just how I'm running and just focusing on myself is kind of like what I found to be most helpful. Yeah. Um, I wonder how it's affected, like, uh, just athlete buy-in to what the coach is telling you to do because you're able to see what other people are doing in other places and then what your coach is telling you, and then maybe they're better than you, this athlete. And you think, well, maybe if I did that workout, or something like, you know, the, the die stat workouts, which are interesting videos. Um, yeah. I mean, those, those high school, like 12 year old girls will kick my butt, but like, you know, uh, you also need to really buy into what your own coach is telling you to do. Yeah. Did you find there was any friction between maybe not you, but other people on the team that they were like, I think I could do more or, um, why are we doing this? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, there's a little bit. It kind of came in waves. I I was kind of happy with the training I was doing for the most part. 
Um, but I know some people weren't, but it never was, uh, it never was too big of an issue, I'd say. And now running for the run or at, with the running club I don't, um, yeah. at University of Vermont, do you, what's that structure like? Do you guys do workouts together or is it really just, you know, yeah. you meet at 5 PM and sort of go for a jog? Yeah. You meet at 5 PM outside of the track and, uh, there's like sometimes workouts, but it'll be like every other week if someone will be like, Oh, I want to go do a workout on the track and they'll go do a workout on the track. But it's very loosely structured. Uh, there is racing for it, but I actually was not doing that last year. Uh, no coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's, uh, I guess, move towards the PCT. So um, did you do any structured hiking or like any practice? Like how did you really train for that? Yeah. So last winter, um most of my training was backcountry skiing. So I was going up on the backside of Mount Mansfield in Vermont and um, about three or four days a week, um, I'd skin up and ski down. And with that, uh, it was something I really came to enjoy because it was kind of like, it's the most efficient way to like move over the snow. And it's just like hiking up you know, a 1200 foot per mile slope. And then you get to pick what, pick your way down and you're not putting any impact on your body. And, um, I was kind of see, trying to see how much elevation I could do, uh, in a day, like in the time that I had every day. And, uh, I wasn't really sure how that would translate to running and hiking. Cause I knew like it was, um, I got to where I was, there were days where I was skiing, you know, seven or eight thousand feet of vertical up and like it didn't feel like that much it felt like just walking but I knew I was like okay I'm getting in better shape and then when the snow melted I started running more and um uh nothing crazy you know a handful of like 15 mile runs um and with that uh I remember there was one day I ran like a half marathon and it was quicker than I thought it would have been I was like, oh, maybe I'm in better shape than I thought. Um, but yeah, then I was having some issues with my feet. And I actually took like a week, uh, a little more than a week off before starting walking. Okay. Um, did you grow up skiing? Yeah, I did. Okay. So that's going to say like everybody, I have not skied ever. And people are like, you should do this during the winter. And I'm like, I don't even know how I would start doing that. So I was wondering if you just like decided to ski and I was like, how did you just start? (laughs) No, yeah, I've grown up skiing. Okay. Where do you like to ski around Ithaca? Um, Around Ithaca, I would go to Greek Peak when I was younger. Uh, I haven't gone there much in recent years. And then I would do a lot of cross-country skiing up at Hammond Hill. Okay. Okay, cool. Um. So what was going on with the feet? Uh, I was just having like, uh, I think it was just something in my arch that was a little tweaky. And I had also, uh, from skiing at a resort the week before, I had tweaked my knee. And it was kind of the combination of that. So I was like, oh, this is a little spooky. And I was like, I'll just take a week off. Um, 
than I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was also kind of a nice mental space because, you know, I had a lot. I had to move out of my dorm, move all my stuff home, fly right away after that. And it was kind of a hectic time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had other stuff to think about. Um, so I kind of want to go back, go like, and let's get real like brass tacks. Like, how did you plan for this? Like I'm talking gear, like how much, cause you had a plan of like doing so much miles per day to finish in like two months, um, food, uh, what were like sending, like we sent you boxes of stuff like, um, yeah. and which was really fun. Cause it was like, oh, this is actually cool. He's actually getting this. This is rad. Um, so what goes into planning something like this? Like take us through everything. Okay, so I um, I kind of knew, like, for what I wanted to do if I planned. I wanted to plan the absolute minimum that I could and still, like, uh, like, my resupply box strategy was, like, okay, how many, like, I knew there were a few spots I would have to have boxes of food sent, but, like, how can I send that? Like, how can I send as few of those as possible? Because then it'll, like, keep me more open and you know i'm not stuck to the food that i put in the box however many months ago and um so i guess kind of the first piece of the plan was you have to get a permit for when you want to start and i knew i had to start after i finished um my semester school in may and so like that right off of the gate um if you're starting i started started may 16th like if you're starting that late, you kind of have to uh, walk faster, so you beat the fires and the snow in Washington. Um, so I knew I had to go fast, and then I knew I had about a hundred days for the hike to take in total. So really, my main planning was just um, okay. I have to, like on the minimum, I have to walk. 26 and a half miles every day to do it in a hundred days. And, um, for food, uh, I sent one food box in advance to the first resupply. And in hindsight, I could have completely, I could have not sent that box. And there is just, there is plenty of food at the gas station that I mailed it to. And, um, so then for food along the way, there were, five spots I mailed boxes ahead so it's like I get to a Walmart <laughs> uh, and I just buy like the first one was the food I carried through the Sierra which was a 200 mile stretch of food um, I mailed to, um, that to that the general store where I picked it up uh, like two weeks in advance when I was in a town before that or a week in advance and then the only other boxes I sent were my food boxes in Washington. And I was pretty happy with that. Um, so I, and then you have, like from my experience on the AT, I knew like this trail would take more planning, but I knew it was like, okay, it's possible to not really plan. And you read online about people who say like, yeah, I didn't plan, it was great. And cause you have like the guide on your phone. So you're not really gonna get lost. And, you know, I had a good general idea. Like, I was like, okay, the desert, there's longer water carries. I need to be used to carrying 20 or 30 miles worth of water. It's like, I'll carry extra water bottles. Like, I know how to use the app, the guide to see where there's going to be water. Um, 
like I generally know the conditions I'm going to be going into. But I don't know. And looking back, I know it worked. It all worked out really well. And um, I don't know <laughs> uh, if that's luck or if that's kind of whatever, but I wouldn't really do too much differently. So, I mean, I have a couple of like, so there were like, I saw like when you sent a couple of pictures and I posted them like that yeah. you were able to go to like stores and stuff. Yeah. So how about how like long between each like food stop were you so in the desert uh it kind of varied greatly from section but in the desert most of our resupplies were like 60 to 100 miles apart and um there were a lot of towns and a lot of roads and we were not i mean it was like you were carrying two or three days of food um and then the Sierra had, it was our longest stretch where it was 210 miles. And that was through Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Park, uh, where there's just no roads. Like you could take long side trails down into towns. But if you didn't want to do that, you had to carry 200 miles of food. And that's about like my food. Uh, I think that was 25 pounds of food, almost 24 maybe. And um, for seven days, and that was heavy. Yeah. Was so like, what what was that like? What was your what were you carrying? Um, like I saw what you had on that, and I almost threw up. Like not yeah. gonna lie, like I I'm not a sweets person, so I was like I just don't think I could do this because I can't eat that much candy for that long or like that stuff. So what? How did you do it? So it was um uh the picture. So the picture that you're referring to is uh. The last 500 miles, all of my food was in boxes, and that was that was most of the food for 500 miles. Um, so I purchased that and then uh, was mailing it ahead to these next places, and it was a lot of uh, a lot of like energy bars, like Kind bars, Gatorade bar, Cliff bars, and then I do a big bag of gummy candy every day, and. Um, like a thousand calories of gummy candy, a big bag of chips crushed down that would have a bunch of calories, um, a tuna packet, uh, and then like Snickers, Paydays, other yeah. candy bars. But yeah, it really was, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of conflicted because I, be, I did not like eating all that stuff. Like I felt pretty disgusting, but I, I had a it hard It worked. Time it worked it worked and it's like uh i mean the really highly processed foods are like the most calorie dense and um keep <laughs> and it's like yeah. I mean, you, like you can't bring fresh food fresh food out there really because it will just go bad and will be super heavy because i was um so at the end i was eating like eight or nine thousand calories a day mm-hmm and that was, uh, I had a really difficult time doing that. And I could, but I knew I wasn't eating enough because I could kind of feel my body, body breaking down a bit. And I kind of felt like the, like, I was adding in more potato chips and stuff like that, that were just kind of straight fat. And um, 
I don't know. If I did it again, I definitely am going to, uh, or for my next long hike, I should say, I'm planning on kind of putting in more research into other options, but I'm not opposed to doing what I did again. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, I would do just like nut butter, like not yeah. like just that, just like a bunch of that nuts. Like you open my backpack and just a bunch of nuts fall out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a while I was carrying, like I would do like they had squeeze bags of peanut butter. I just carry a jar and I just put that on like every bar and everything I was eating and just eat it straight. And then I got really, really sick of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is nut butter is if you could only eat like one thing, it would just be, you know, it's super dense, super. Yeah. Or just fat. like a bottle of olive oil. Yeah. Yeah. I was carrying olive oil uh as well to like add add to whatever I could yeah well your skin is glowing I mean it's it worked you know <laughs> so what about water though so these refill like what where water is is that like just like tepid water and like a stream on the side of the trail or is it like a water fountain it's just it's they're natural uh so in the desert there was not there were a lot of stretches that just like had no natural water and those were kind of uh like it was only possible to still hike because there's people going out and putting water caches out with either like five gallon jugs of water or gallon jugs of water um because like there's a few there were a few stretches that were like i think 80 miles long where there was just no water and so people would go in there and like maybe in three or four spots, like leave jugs of water on road crossings. Uh, but for the most part, like all of the water you're treating, you're uh, getting from like natural sources and um, that you should treat with either like chemicals or a filter. And yeah, what did you use? What was your gear? I had a uh, platypus quick draw was the filter I used. Um, and it was good for the, I I uh, I had used the Sawyer Squeeze, which is kind of the more common one for a long time, and I liked them, but they would always clog um, very quickly, and they also broke more easily when you dropped them. But uh, just on this note, um, uh, one thing with the water filter, the new water filter I had is you could test it and see if it worked, except I couldn't remember how to do that while I was out there. And there was a week, uh, like two weeks before I was finishing, uh, there was a night that like it was cold and stuff froze and you can't freeze the filters. And um, I kind of just was like, ah, I won't get sick. And um, then when I got home, I tested the filter and it did not work. So. Um, <laughs> All right, well, you know, we got lucky. Yeah. You got lucky, yeah. Not sick yet. <laughs> I know. Maybe you like, or uh, you maybe you like, uh, some maybe you contracted something that'll eventually give you like magic powers or something. Yeah. So you keep that in. Yeah. No, I was also I don't know. A lot of people, uh, towards the end of the trail, we were in the North Cascades, and um, we were still in like last year's snowmelt, and a lot of like most people I knew weren't filtering all their water and I was kind of like oh so because a lot of it was like 
it's probably fine. Like there's, um, there definitely are sources that will make you sick, but So what, what gear were you carrying? Like what was your, <laughs> uh, wardrobe? yeah. So, um, I, I started out with a hyperlight, like 40 liter backpack and then that was okay. I carried it through the Sierra. It was nice because it was larger to carry a bear can. And then I switched to using, uh, so I met the man that just, uh, just set the fastest known time on the trail, Josh Perry. And um, he was kind of joking about my backpack saying it didn't have enough pockets and that it was too big because it didn't have enough pockets and it was too big. And I was like, yeah, I get a new bag, you know, it's expensive. And he was like, oh, just take one of, have one of my old ones. And he's like, I'll have the company send you it. Like, it's a great, it's like a running vest straps. It's a lot smaller. And so that bag was a Nashville cutaway. And it was like 25 liters and had running vests on the front, like no hip belt. And um, I was really happy with that because I could reach all my food in it. It had a pocket on the bottom. It was a cool bag. Um, and then... I had a tent that set up with a trekking pole and it was one person made by Z-Packs, super light. Um, I had an inflatable sleeping pad made by Thermarest, uh, a 20 degree quilt made by Catabatic and I was happy with that. And then I had a fleece, like a fleece hoodie and a raincoat and wind pants made by Mont Bell and an extra pair of socks. And that was kind of it for warmth. Like I didn't have a puppy and had a battery pack that I could charge my phone with. Um, and I could get like three charges from it. I had a headlamp, a toothbrush <laughs> and ibuprofen. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Um, I look for, I hope you, can you put all this in the article that you're like sort of putting Yeah. together for us? Like, uh, cause like, it's pretty interesting. And I, I get so overwhelmed by these things. Cause it's like, I don't have tons of like camping experience and it looks very overwhelming, but like probably by the end of the day, I could, I'd be so tired. I could just fall asleep on anything. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one of those where it's like, you're not going to construct a castle of a tent. You're just going to sort of put the pole in the ground. Yeah, no, that's kind of like uh, what I realized was like the less stuff I had, just the easier it was. I mean, you're, you're losing less stuff. You're uh, kind of everything. It just like, I mean, it was like I, by the end, I had six and a half pounds of gear. So it was like, that's not like that's not very heavy. And um, it makes like the fact that you're carrying less makes everything easier. And then that's just like you have less stuff to like hassle with makes everything easier as well. All right. So why don't you give us like a typical day? Like you wake up, what do you do? What are you eating? And just go through the day. Okay. Um, so I'll normally try and sleep at least. uh like seven or seven and a half hours and um so when I kind of went to bed determines when I'll wake up uh but normally right around five o'clock 
and wake up. Uh, I would try and like deflate my sleeping pad right away to like turn the valve to get me up. And I would try and be walking within 15 or 20 minutes. Um, so roll up the pad, put it in my backpack, put my sleeping bag in my pad, uh, backpack, uh, pack everything up in my tent, put on my socks, put on my shoes, um, get out, take down my tent, roll it up, put it in my bag, and then start walking. And I'd usually eat a Snickers or whatever chocolate I had in my backpack. Um, or just other things that didn't do well with the heat. Um, so I'd eat whatever food was going to melt. And then I'd kind of just be walking about three miles an hour and just try and all day, just a game of walking and eating. And um, yeah, so you walk, you eat. And like I'd play games of how many calories I can try and eat in a mile and things like that. And did you ever like stop? Like we're gonna have a lunch here. Were you just um so at the start we were taking a lot more breaks and we're uh we weren't hiking in the heat of the day for the most part. So we'd take like a few hours around like two or three. Uh but then then at the end we would for the most part, we were like, okay, let's just try to walk all day like this is gonna be this is the fun and what we're doing is like how far can we comfortably cover walking in a day um but there were you know like a few probably like twice a day we'd sit down for like 20 minutes um sometimes you know we'd we'd always stop for trail magic so if there was someone set up like cooking food or handing out drinks or something like that we'd always uh stop and hang out there and that happened a good amount um but yeah the name of the game was just constant forward motion like uh like the entire time I was just like trying trying to figure out like what more like okay what more can I do walking like at first it was like brushing your teeth while walking and then it was like I was eating oatmeal in the morning I would have to stop to eat that I'm like okay if I'm just eating bars I don't need to stop to eat the oatmeal and then I don't know. Yeah. And then how long did it take you to like set up camp at night? Okay. Yeah. So normally um, we'd walk until the end of the day and um, yeah, walk, we would, we'd just joke that we were, we would walk until we get tired and find the flattest spot right near us. And um, so probably like eight thirty, set up um, and uh normally it would take like i would try and be it varied because there were nights i would try and be like okay i'm just gonna you know not go on my phone at all like if there was no service which there wasn't a lot of the time uh i would have um i'd like i'd say i could be asleep within half an hour uh finishing walking because i'd try and eat everything like finish up eating while walking and then like have brushed my teeth and flossed by the time I get to camp. So really it's like, you can just, you know, set up your tent, blow, blow up your pad and then go to sleep. Um, but you know, there were nights I'd like have service and it'd be the first time in a few days and I'd end up texting people or something like that. 
Um, yeah. And then also I'd like to say, so on like resupply days, uh, so all of our resupplies we were doing ourselves and some of them, uh, they wasted, like they just took so much time that like we were doing, we were still doing like 30 mile days on these, uh, like on a resupply day. But some of them it would be like we'd spend five or six hours in this town and really just like like those the days where we were spending the most time in town and still trying to make miles were like the hardest days by far because when it's just like you're walking all day you're just doing that one thing and like you can walk i mean like pretty much like all of our longest days were done without headlamps and like it's like 5 a.m. to 9 p.m., which is like a nice, nice day walk in. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, in a town day when you're like doing the math and it's like, oh, man, I have to walk until 11 o'clock tonight to like get the miles I need to do so I can make it to the next town on time to make it to wherever on time. Uh, those were definitely the hardest days for me. Mm hmm. Um, so let's talk about your companion a little bit. So you walked with somebody. So who was it? Uh, my buddy, Noah Sorensen. Um, we had ran together in high school, uh, and he had through hike the AT separately from the group of friends, uh, I was with last year. And, uh, I had talked to him before about the PCT. And then when, at the time when we were both applying, like at the time of like the permit application was. I had reached out to him. He was like, oh, like I'm applying for the mid-May permit. He was like, oh, I'm applying for mid-May permit. And we're like, oh, let's hike together. And it really worked out well. Because um, there weren't, there wasn't really anyone else walking at the same pace as we were. Uh, so it was really nice to have someone there to walk every day with and push you. And like when, one's, when, when one person wants to stay in town, stay in town the other one can say no let's walk a few miles out and um yeah yeah so I'm imagining like either you guys are like real good friends now or you hate each other um so what was it like every day did you talk a lot or was there a lot of stretches of silence um we talked a good amount we talked a good amount and um uh, I think we did really well like not getting on each other's nerves too much. Uh, I mean, obviously when you're spending um, two and a half months with someone, it's like you're bound to have little things, but we were very like, never, never argued, like never raised our voices. Uh, and I think so like during the day to say most of the time, uh, um, a good chunk at the start, a good chunk of the time we're walking right together and talking. Um, and then that kind of, as the time went on, we were a little bit more spread out I'd say, like half the time we were within uh like screaming distance you know like maybe you can't fully see each other but you know you're kind of like right there and like most of the time you could like you know you would be able to see the other person through the woods and I think both of us kind of like that for uh, uh keeping miles like where it's like you have the one person that you have like you're always you always have someone to drag the other person along is kind of how I felt so do you guys have a lot in common like what are some things that you talked about I mean I bet 
you know, it's, it gets past to like, Oh, how's the weather where you are? You know, you probably had yeah. some like real deep conversations out there. Yeah. You can talk about, yeah, I think we've definitely kind of exhausted, uh, uh exhausted a lot of topics. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I also would always talk to, I mean, there were a lot of other people, a lot of other, uh, like thousand, like 2000 other hikers that started out there and, uh, maybe more than that. And I would talk to like, pretty much everyone who'd, uh, passed and, uh, definitely had a lot of really interesting conversations there and like, I don't know, just the variety of people you can meet and uh, just cause there's some people from like so many different walks of life with like young people and retired people. And, uh, you know, I guess I'd say a good quarter of the trail, uh, is foreign. And, um, so it's like, you can hear all kinds of different interesting things. So when you, um, so when did you finish? Uh, so I hit the Canadian border on August 2nd and, um, then it was, you have to walk the, you still can't walk into Canada through the border. So you had to turn around and walk 30 miles uphill <laughs> to the nearest, um, like, uh, trailhead. And, uh, I did that. So actually, so Noah had, we hiked everything except the last, like, uh five days together four days because um there was a river crossing and he got tossed in the river crossing and it was like really um uh he got really lucky and he was okay but like looking at it i mean he was going down waterfalls and it was really really spooky um and he lost one of his shoes in it and so he had to go into the next town to buy a new pair of shoes. And it kind of was in, uh, in a water filter. And uh, he, he wasn't sure if he was going to need to take more time off. He had told me to go ahead. And so for the last um, five days, uh, I was walking without him. And... Um, it was different, but it was still cool. Uh, there were two other guys I had met right around there um, who were moving at the same pace, which was really nice. Uh, and I finished right around them. And then when we hit the border, we took two days to do the 30 miles back out to the trailhead. And um, Noah was only a day behind me. So we saw him on that. And finished in the town you go into is Mazama in Washington. Um, Mazama, like Alabama, uh, funny little town. And there's a hostel there that was super sweet. The woman who owned the hostel was a really nice trail angel and it was all donation based. Um, and hung out there, then got a ride to Seattle. And flew to see my grandmother in Texas for a week. Now I'm back here before going back in Ithaca before going back to school. Wow. Um, so you finished in how many days? 
just under 79. And you wanted 100. Yeah. That's intense. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really like, um, I was really happy. Like the entire thing, like there's so many, so many things that could have gone really wrong and didn't. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, walking through the desert in the middle of May, it wasn't as hot as it could have been. Uh, I mean, we had a hike that was a fully continuous footpath, um, which is really uh, that that we made it through without things lighting on fire was like I wasn't expecting to be able to walk every mile and stuff we had walked through two or three weeks before by the time we finished uh, was on fire and people were skipping from uh, like two or 300 miles, uh, 200 miles, the last 200 miles of California and like all of Oregon because of fire and there's new fires every day. And I don't know, like I have friends that are still hiking and it's like, I've read stories about them running through the woods as lightning is striking and lighting these woods on fire. And it's like, wow, I didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't get sick at all. We didn't either of us got sick or injured on trail and our bodies were able to withstand the constant abuse. Yeah, resilient 20 year old men. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, how how's your recovery been? How's the body coming back? Uh, <laughs> um definitely slower than I thought um a little slower than I thought but I yesterday I went to go see work um I've done some work with Garrett Van Loon Garrett Van Loon uh an Ithaca runner and uh, like active release therapist and working with him he was really making some progress uh, but my legs are still pretty locked up and, you know, my feet are uh, <laughs> definitely hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a while, for about like the first 10 days, I'd say I was like feeling worse <laughs> every day. And I was, you know, sleeping like 12 hours a night and then taking a two hour nap. And I was like, what is going on? And I was like hobbling around and, um, now things are starting to move and I'm not having to sleep 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you did a lot and uh, you're giving your body the time it needs to recover. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have uh, any, uh, you're going back to college, but do you, uh, what's another hike that you want to do sometime, at some point? Uh, ideally next summer, I would like to hike the, continental divide trail so it starts in uh i'd go northbound on that and it starts in new mexico on the mexico border and ends in canada uh montana glacier national park and um i have to still figure out the logistics and everything I have to get a job this year to figure it to work that out um but yeah, no, I think that's that's the next hike for me. It would be how long little, is it? Uh if you hike 
uh, it's around 3,000 miles, but there's no, there isn't a full, like, defined red line the entire way on the map. Um, there's a lot of, like, you know, you can go up those mountains or you can, like, cut off some mileage and walk on this road. Uh, so it's, like, 2,800. I'd say, like, my hike will probably end up being, like, 2,700 to 3,000 miles. Okay. Okay. So not, like, a, a, a nice step up, but not... Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it's not, uh, it's very comparable to the PCT because a lot of there's more, um, like flat road walking and, um, like dirt road walking. And there's also longer food carries, which, um, make you hike the trail a lot faster because you're not spending time in town every other day. Uh, Cool. Cool. Well, that sounds awesome, Ben. Congratulations again. Like it was so much fun. Like just, you know, I'd be sitting at the store, like, you know, selling shoes and like, Ben's like walking out there, like, dang. So it was awesome to follow you. And we had uh, a lot of people were supporting you and thought it was really cool. So congratulations. Thank you, Allie. Yeah. Um, so before we end, I kind of want to give people a place to find you online. So where should people go to, you know, maybe they'll see all your pictures, the recap and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Sure. So where to find you? Yeah. My Instagram is Ben Supron, uh, S U P R O N. Um, and yeah, there's pictures from a hike on there. Uh, let's see. My Strava is also Ben Supron. If you want to follow along there, not, um, there's some stuff from the hike there, but not, not quite everything. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon, Ben, have a good, uh, rest of recovery, good school year. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Ellie. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. Nice Bye. Talking. Uh, voices from the collective please follow ben he's awesome he's funny um and then also you can follow me at gazelli on instagram and twitter you can follow the trails collective on instagram twitter and facebook and thank you to everybody that continues to drop into the store to say hello i really enjoy meeting all of you it's really fun and it also like to be honest the best for me is it puts a smile on ian's face so uh keep doing it and i will see you guys soon